The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Run, you cretin! You're a fuckhead! That's what you are! A fucking shithead! It was a joke, Mark. I was joking. It was a Christmas joke. Hey everybody, you're listening to the L Dude Brothers Podcast. This week it is episode 3. I'm your host, Lee. And this is Sean. And a lot happened over the weekend. We actually, uh, we're going to record this episode on Friday because we kind of were busy, had busy schedules. And, you know, we were going to kind of make a joke about predicting events that were going to happen this Sunday. And uh, so on that note, I guess we can actually talk about what happened on Sunday. What do you think about the uh, the cruiserweight match there in... Uh, in uh, Fastlane. Oh, uh, uh, full disclosure, I'm a pretty big pro wrestling fan, have been for a while. Um, really have enjoyed Neville and Gallagher. I just newfound respect for that guy. I didn't really I didn't really think much of him, and uh, that match definitely changed my mind, and he just could take a beating like nobody's business. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not the biggest wrestling fan in the world. I just kind of casually watch it, but wow, was that fun to watch. If you uh, happen to have WWE Network, or access to that sort of thing is definitely a match to check out, as well as the Goldberg versus Kevin Owens match. That was a that was a strange match. I that match only had one of two ways of ending, and Goldberg just destroying Owens in twenty seconds was about what I was I was about what I thought was going to happen. Uh, Goldberg and Lesnar had a similar match at SummerSlam where where Goldberg. Goldberg beat Lesnar in about 90 seconds. Yeah, but it's good to see him back because he hasn't been around for a while and it's definitely nostalgic for me. Yeah, he's had a great little return since he came back in August, September, and I'm I'm happy to see him in short doses. Don't really want to see him much longer than the next couple three four months yeah i'd agree with that and you know in reference to the first match and speaking of you know two british guys proverbially beating the shit out of each other this week we have episode three of peep show called on the pull which we're yes, so excited October 3rd of 2003 yes so excited for this episode uh as we've probably mentioned in every episode of the show this is one of my favorite episodes and it was a hidden gem when i came back and watched season one for the yeah, first it was, time. It was, nice, it was a nice little treat rewatching season one. Now, obviously, to do the analysis that we do, generally we just beat these episodes to death. So I think between the two of us, we've probably watched it upwards of 10 times by now. And uh, still funny. Still really, really funny. Good, good monologues from the good monologues from the two main characters, and just a, a plot that is is very funny and not a plot, not the type of plot that you see often in the show, but does have does happen later and it's also funny again when it happens later absolutely and on october 3rd 2003 in the episode aired the number one single in the uk was where is the love still uh by black eyed peas but uh, a couple days later uh, a song called i believe in a thing called love i believe it, what is that the darkness yeah darkness yep. and actually i realized that when we were talking about this i said it came out i said it came out nine days later it actually had come out nine days before oh well Fun little trivia for you there. But uh, as with most episodes, this was written by Armstrong and Bain. And uh, it just brilliant writing. It's This is really where the series just kind of kicks off into full motion, as we will do now. So in the first scene, we see Mark shopping at the grocery store. 
he's doing excellent shopping. Mark is kind of going through a nihilist phase through the first, you know, maybe five, six, seven minutes of this of this uh, episode, and he is extra frugal because he is depressed. Absolutely, uh, you know, it, I don't know if it was it the last episode where Sophie got that job. Uh, that's the episode. That's two episodes from now. Ah, okay. So we'll talk about that then. But Mark, really, for the rest of this of season one, I would say, kind of does go into sort of a nihilistic self hatred spiral, which I guess isn't super, uh, you know, weird for Mark to be in, but uh, definitely lays it on pretty thick here. Yeah, and then uh, as he's starting to spiral more into this kind of nihilist. Uh, views and opinions jeremy jeremy interrupts and classic this is a this is a a joke that you will see probably three four times throughout this episode where they're in the olive oil aisle jeremy looks at what's in the shopping cart realizes it's a lot of tin food tells him that tin food is only for crackheads and wars and then he grabs this bottle of of olive oil and i guess i didn't know this did you lee know that there are different pressings of of the olives you know i was not aware and frankly i'm a little bit upset i mean i would love to know what pressing my olive oil is i mean who wouldn't fourth yeah i mean i i guess i would always want first pressing because you know why wait till everybody else has had their fun with the olives yeah fourth pressing that's a party in your mouth as jeremy says and you know, Jeremy. Or Mark, Jeremy can say whatever he wants, you know. But once the uh, once the chemtrails really start flying, he's going to wish that Mark had bought more of that tin food. Yeah, especially some <laughs> first pressing olive oil. Exactly. Which so. Mark does refuse to buy because it, it is way too expensive. Yes, yeah, some sort of uh, metric measurement that's above my head. Certainly, as a dumb American here. So, uh, Jeremy invites Mark to a very wicked party, and Mark rejects it because that's just what Mark does. But Jeremy uses a lot of double talk and kind of circles around it to eventually convince Mark that this isn't what a normal person does on Friday night is sit here and shop. People are out having a good time. He One of his uh, little methods of attack at Mark is he makes a comment that Mark buys a lot of tissue and uh, nose tissue. And he says that people are just going to think that they wank all the time and that they're not cool guys out sowing their oats. Yeah, and you know Jeremy, Jeremy uh, tells Mark that he hasn't actually sown his oats in two weeks, but in reality, we find out it's nine months and thirteen days. So Jeremy isn't quite the lucky guy that he wants to come off as. But in addition to that, the tissues in question actually—and I would love to be able to buy these over here in the states—I've never seen them, but they're what's called man-sized tissues, and it's just big men's noses, big manly snots, yeah, and big man for- mess. Yeah, big man mess. For whatever reason, men need men's size towels just like women need special razors. Yeah, something like that. I I don't know. But I'd love to be able to buy them either way. And (laughs) so Mark goes and just goes over to like a display of of what looks like Heineken cans. Just grabs a couple cans out of there. And, you know, there's a little conversation about, you know, why do you need these giant cans of lager to get you really drunk? Like, what's wrong with moderation? Because, you know, Mark is, through the series, kind of moderate in everything that he does. I would call Mark the king of moderation. Oh, there's nobody more moderate than Mark. Yeah. You also find out what has caused Mark to go down this nihilist spiral that he's going down, which is 
a flashback and I don't think you ever see flashbacks again presented in this way where it flashes back to Mark at JLB and he asks Sophie if she wants to go out with him for dinner and she she politely refuses saying that she has something to do that night. Yeah, and there are some some sort of flashbacks in the next episode, but it's more it's less of a flashback and more of a, a drug-addled recollection of, of events. So I don't know if you'd really call that a flashback necessarily. But Jeremy did a great job manipulating Mark in this scene, which Jeremy does throughout the entire series. He's just such a smooth talker when it comes to manipulating Mark. Jeremy has just such natural charisma, and I could see that probably in college that why Mark would just be so uh, drawn to Jeremy because Jeremy's very charismatic and very good with people and he's a weird guy and Mark is a weird guy. So I can definitely see why they hit it off with each other. Absolutely. And you know, Mark, all he wants to do is sit, eat a spaghetti carbonara and watch Das Boot, which comes up a lot in the series. Das Boot has got to be Mark's favorite movie. What does that clock in at? Something like four hours. So, I mean, I've only something, seen it once. Something like that. It's a very, very long movie. Yes, but certainly something that is, uh, you know, dry enough and historical enough that Mark would just enjoy the hell out of it. So in the next scene, we get the party that uh, the guys went to finally. And Mark is, he just brought his shopping bags straight from the store. And he's just sitting there like a jabroni on the couch at this party, just holding some shopping bags. Probably Jeremy didn't want to risk Mark getting back to the apartment because he probably knows that had he gotten back to the apartment that Mark probably would have found any one of a number of reasons to stay inside the apartment and not go to the party. No, absolutely. No question about it. I mean, you know, Mark's already out though, whatever. And clearly Mark doesn't fit in because he's still in his work clothes. He's got, you know, his nice work shirt and tie on. And this is a party definitely aimed at a younger crowd. And uh, even Jeremy kind of strikes out with the crowd here because he just keeps going on the olive oil. He's using the olive oil, the whole spiel again, to try to pick up women. And that, um, to me, maybe not the most effective thing. Yeah, he he calls it going Oscar Wilde, where he just says, first pressing, yeah, that's a real potty in your mouth. But then he's like talking about how suave, he, or, uh, not suave, uh, but how it's, you know, the year 2000 and and people can talk about olive oil and that it's perfectly okay to talk about olive oil. Uh, you also have Mark, like, I don't want to say gazing longingly, but just kind of watching, watching Jeremy. And he's thinking to himself, yeah, I bet they're going to have your, I bet uh, Jeremy, yeah, I bet he's got a plan to have sex with both of them. Yeah. He's going to take them back to the apartment. And uh, oh, what does he say? Something like, she, the girl's gonna get up and walk into the bathroom naked and then walk and into his room yeah, yeah accidentally come back into mark's room and uh what and then she you know she fucks mark and says whoops and then goes out again but you know that's mark and i just knowing that the two of them the two of the characters have known each other since college it wouldn't surprise me if most of mark's sexual conquest back in university were on the coattails of jeremy I, I could see I could see Mark being a little bit of a, a coattail rider and, and in you that don't, department. You don't want to say wingman because he's definitely not cool enough to be one. I I doubt that Jeremy would even know would would understand the concept enough of a wingman because why would he <laughs> help his friends hook up when there's just more women for him? Exactly. So we cut to Mark after that in the bathroom of the 
party house or flat or whatever it is. And he's just rooting through their medicine cabinet, you know, something that I think that, you know, a lot of we wouldn't like to admit, but most of us have probably done. Just kind of going through, uh, seeing all the different uh, medications that are in there, thinking that, hey, these people aren't as young and cool as they uh, they like to come off as. He finds a cream for for psoriasis, and he's just listing off all these medical conditions. He's like, psoriasis, yeast infection, if uh, potentially yeast infection, thrush if you're lucky. And then he just keeps going on and on about how everybody's not young and fit as they seem, and he just ends this with this short little, you are all going to die while slamming the well i guess not slamming but like closing the mirror and it's just this close-up shot of mark's face it's so it's so funny it's it's just again mark the nihilist at work so going back to the party we see mark and he's just it's kind of weird to tell from the scene initially but he's shoving his groceries from the shopping bag into whatever fridge at the house because he doesn't want his food to thaw out yeah it's funny he's just he is the kind of person that would just walk over to somebody's house, probably somebody that he's never even met before, and just to protect his own shopping, just put his stuff in their refrigerator and not even worry about asking for permission or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. He just, uh, he, he's the shopping really is his focus. I mean, throughout up to this point. All he wants to do is go. It's, you know, it's kind of like the Big Lebowski. Like all he wanted was his rug back. All, all Mark wants to do is get his shopping home. Yeah, he even he even mentions to a character we're about to meet here in ten seconds. If I get home with my shopping, it'll I'll consider myself lucky. But before that happens, a woman by the name of I say woman, she's more of a girl named Valerie pops up and notice that he's putting away a certain uh, it's called a, a what is it fiendus. Crispy pancakes, which Findus crispy pancakes, yes. and I had never heard of these things before. Um, Valerie says that they're disgusting. I think that they actually sound kind of good. It's uh, when I googled the name, they apparently still make them, but they are kind of a frozen pancake coated with breadcrumbs. But then they also have kind of like meat and kind of fruit fillings and stuff like that, and um, they actually sound pretty pretty good. Valerie makes them out to sound disgusting. Well, you know, that's just traditional British cuisine is just something stuffed inside of something else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like you said, like you said, we have Valerie here. Um, so because this is the only episode she appears in, which is a, a horrible tragedy, I just kind of wanted to talk about Valerie um, for a little bit here. She is played by an actress named Flora Newbigin. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce her name. I did look her up on Twitter, sent her a tweet. She only has 250 followers. So if you hear this, come on the show. We want to know what it's like to be on peep show. Yeah. Um, it looks like according to IMDB, um, she kind of flirted with a, a fairly decent career. She was in the, in the movie, the borrower. She was one of the main characters voices. Um, and she's on peep show and it just kind of seemed like, Peep Show was her kind of her last major thing that she did, and it's a it's a shame because she really, especially in regards to this particular character, just sold it one hundred percent. Like from an acting perspective, probably the best bit of acting in the in this episode. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it does look like 
that she might do some sort of like theater. So I don't think she is out of acting altogether, but it looks like that she does some sort of theater. So Um, Valerie just, the character of Valerie just really doesn't have a filter and we'll just say pretty much whatever comes to mind. Uh, We kind of worked it out a little bit and I think it's actually later on in our notes here. But uh, if you look at her, her age and some of the clues you pick up from the episode, you figure she's between about 16 and 19 in this episode, but they don't actually say. Yeah. One thing I think would also be, would be good to describe is Valerie's like the characters looks and kind of her style. Um, On our, on our podcast picture, we have pictures of Jeremy and Mark and you can kind of see Mark dressed up a little bit nicer than Jeremy. Valerie is like a teenage goth. She's wearing like a spike dog collar, pale pale makeup like kind of oddly dyed uh, oddly colored hair i should say and she's got like an eyebrow ring yeah definitely it's uh quite a departure from i mean especially mark but really either of them of, of the partners that they have throughout the series it's a huge departure but uh you know definitely had a character from mark to be interested in at first i don't really think he's as interested as he finds her interesting that's probably I, I would I would believe that. I mean, obviously his heart belongs to to Sophie, but in this episode he just kind of is taken by this teenage goth and I find it very funny. Right, we discussed it a little bit before the show as well. In this scene when they're kinda of going back and forth, I can't shake the feeling that one or both of them and the things that they're saying is just completely going the other over the other one's head and it could be both of them. Like I, I feel like I feel like they both have would have such a different frame of reference and thought process that they should never really connect. And I don't think that they really connect properly in this episode. I think that they could have eventually just because of Mark's desperation. But uh, it's it's really a shame we don't see her again. Yes, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And the, I think that there's sometimes, several times in this episode, where they make comments to the other that is, either ignored or kind of goes over the head of the other person. Yeah, no, I would agree with that for sure. Uh, it, it just, I, th- there's a lot that doesn't connect between the characters, but it all seems to, it is from the viewing standpoint, it all makes sense because when you talk about, especially the last episode, we had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that it jumped around a whole lot. So we kind of had to kind of reorganize our thought process to be able to, put out something that was even listenable but this episode is extremely linear so it all just sort of flows nicely and makes sense yes and that's and that's awesome also speaking of last week's show the scene at the end where mark is in the closet the scene is from olivia coleman's perspective i when Ah. in my head i thought that both characters were in the scene but when i watched it back it is olivia coleman looking at jeff yeah that, that was interesting i'm glad you went back and looked at that and we sort of see that again in another scene coming up here uh but it's a little bit more obvious so you know they're sitting there just kind of talking about life we get to meet valerie's brother who's uh, apparently just a complete wanker and uh valerie just kind of they, they discuss killing him briefly yeah yeah his his brother comes over and starts calling mark a mod which is it's like a British gang. Uh, it's kind of like a punk kind of ska style where they wore suits and him and his buddy are just like, 
we are the mods, we are the mods, and, you know, yeah, they, they talk briefly about killing him, but then Mark mentions, just pretends he, you need his bone marrow, and the drilling out the bone marrow is super painful. Yes, absolutely, and one of Valerie's ideas that she has for the party is to just get everybody to stand in two naked rows. The fit-looking people can get with the fit-looking people. The so-called dregs can get with the dregs, and then they can just skip the whole party, and everybody can just go home and bone and move on with their lives. And Honestly, not that bad of an idea. Yeah, there was a lot of times in the military where I wish that rule had been in in, uh, parties I went to in the military where that rule had been instigated. Yeah, unless you're in the Navy, then it just gets weird. (laughs) Yeah, that's not so good. But, uh, yeah, Valerie's brother comes up acting like a douchebag, uh, and, and that little exchange happens there. And, let's see, after that, we uh, we find out that, I guess, Valerie and Mark had come up with an idea to go to the Laser Bowl, which, again, just like a glow bowling, I guess we'd call it here. Uh, I guess some places might call it Laser Bowl. But Mark approaches Jeremy to try to get Jeremy to take the bags of shopping back home. And yeah, I, I really like how... Prior to just prior to Mark going over to Jeremy, they're watching him kind of dance with the women, and Valerie is like making fun of Jeremy because he's just completely striking out, and she sees Jeremy for that for the kind of real Jeremy, whereas Mark is probably thinking to himself that Jeremy is you know about to hook up with both these women. Yeah, because Jeremy is really pretty fragile himself. I mean, even though he doesn't really come across that way. You get to know the yeah. character a little bit. It definitely shines through. Yeah, you get to see it kind of coming up here when Mark asked, tells Jeremy that he's going to the laser bowl with with Valerie. And you can tell that Jeremy really, really does not want to be the one that carries the shopping home. Well, in addition to that, you know, again, Mark is just kind of giving him the old like, hey, we're going to get out of here. You know, don't come with us. <laughs> yeah. And Jeremy is, of course, completely oblivious to Mark trying to trying to be subtle about something. It, it could be oblivious. It could also just be that he has struck out so terribly at the party that he's just grasping at something to salvage the night. Yeah. Yeah, very, very great part of this episode with Jeremy just looking completely devastated that he's the one that has to go home. But with the shopping. Eventually, Jeremy calls Tony to try to make it a double date, and the next scene we are in the toilets at the Laser Bowl. Specifically, we are in the women's room, and they are all hanging out in a stall in the women's room. Yes, and uh, passing the Ducci on the left hand side, which for Mark, not exactly in character for him again, but in the moment and given the context of the episode and him trying to impress this very young girl, I, I thought it was pretty funny. Mark's got a great, Mark's got another one of his classic Mark monologues in this episode where he just talks about how he's got to take Jeremy's advice more often. Um, and he's like, this is literally it, the sort of thing people do when they are having a good time. Yeah, but the thing is, is Mark is actually, he seems just terrified of the act, of actually smoking the joint himself. So when it passes around to Valerie, Valerie asks Mark if uh, she should give him blowback. <laughs> Which I, you know, I'd, I'd never heard it referred to as that. I always heard, you know, shotgunning or, you know, or I don't know, but uh, you know, blowing it into his mouth after she takes a hit off the joint. Obviously, that's not what Mark's thinking. He never heard that term before, and he, again, classic Mark line, just, oh my God, it's the last days of Rome. Which 
I, I just thought was a fantastic line for him. Yeah, and then then he they do the blowback, and Mark just gets like completely high. Probably the first time in his life he's ever done drugs, and he just starts talking about, "I am a drug user. Fuck the police." <laughs> and you know, not out of the realm of possibility, it's just the first time that he has ever had fun. It, it is, and one thing that that Valerie does in the scene that she does several times throughout this episode is that she is really good at like almost instantly picking up on Mark's insecurities and then figuring out a way to, to mitigate those so that it doesn't have any sort of negative potential. Like she's when Tony goes to hand Mark the joint, Valerie can tell that Mark is obviously unsure of what to do, never actually done it before. And so she just kind of swoops in, helps him and goes on with it and never makes mention of it you know and that's a really good way to put it because i think that they could have been like valerie was never going to be mark's ultimate love interest in the show but i certainly think that it could have gone a little bit further i I really wish it would have because really in later seasons with future love interests of mark you see a little bit of that sort of you know kind of coping and um, compensating for mark's insecurities but nobody really does it as well as Valerie did. No, Valerie Valerie does it the best out of out of all of them and uh, you're exactly right. I would never see Valerie as being like a primary love interest, but we see we see female characters come on this show several times where they're on for one season and then they're gone and I don't know why they couldn't have just made her that character for season 1 as opposed to Tony. Yeah, they there there's definitely there's definitely some female characters where you just kind of feel like a little bit shorted. I mean, I understand, you know, the short seasons that British TV has, you know, six episodes per season, you do have to move the story along, but you know, a little bit more probably, it would have been a little bit more satisfying. I think would have given the viewer a sense of closure for that. Yes. I, yes, I agree. Instead of kind of introducing this amazing character, showing what a good, good dynamic. And I actually think that, the two the two's like the two actors dynamic is incredible with each other and i feel like they play off each other very well very much so but in the next scene we have no valerie immediately instead it is jez and mark standing at the bowling alley bar and there's a bunch of masks on the wall of just like like kind of opera type mask you know the, the tragedy and comedy mask sort of and mark's just kind of freaking out a little bit looking at him this is where the first person view of the series is very funny because the 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 focus is going in and out. It's like swaying drunkily all over the walls, and you just kind of hear Mark, and he's like, uh, "The faces, the faces, Jez. I feel strange." Well, and then I... Jeremy, Jeremy, trying to be a friend, trying to help him out, <laughs> starts wiggling his fingers. And Mark just gets all scared because he thinks Jeremy's going to poke him in the eyes. But I think that they use really, like, the right amount of that sort of blurry, weird... Like, it wasn't long enough to be obnoxious. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, what it makes me think of, and I, I... You know, honestly, Sean, I never thought that I would admit this to the public. But I, I think it's time that I do. Um, I, unfortunately, used to play World of Warcraft. <laughs> and... <laughs> So in the game, you know, you can you can drink, you know, alcohol or whatever your character can, and your screen will go all blurry. But then you're like, what the hell? My screen's blurry for the next 15 minutes. 
you know, and it just gets obnoxious. But they yeah. they use it well in this show whenever they do, you know, have an effect like that. Yeah, it's it's funny. And one thing I I'm learning in my interpersonal communication classes about like nonverbal communication. Great thing about this scene, if you just this scene came comes after a commercial break. So if you had just turned on this show, hadn't watched the first few minutes of it, comes out a commercial break, boom, you instantly know Mark is messed up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually taking that class uh, this next term too, and I have a feeling that Mark never has. But uh, so he is, Mark's very worried uh, at this point, you know, because he is, this is probably the first time he's been high. And Jeremy's just trying to, you know, I think we already mentioned, recruit Mark to be the wingman. And realistically, though, Jeremy's doing a very good job at kind of riling Mark up to, to be that wingman for him. Right, and this is this is this this is what we talked about in the intro episode where Mark's the funny thing about this first person view is that Mark's views on how Jeremy is doing and the stuff that Jeremy is doing, he has this like idealized view of Jeremy, whereas you know he Jeremy, and I think Jeremy realizes this because in the scene he says, we have to work as a team. And then he just says, work them up to, into a lather. And he's just trying to get Mark like pumped up. Like, okay, we're going to do this. We are both going to sow our oats tonight. And in a way, it's Jeremy's second manipulation of the episode. Again, successful. And, uh, you know, the, the thought is, uh, what is it? I believe it's uh, Jeremy. Uh, I can just tell them we have enormous cocks. That might be the clincher. Yeah. Would, yeah. You never know. I mean, but, uh, you know, I think Mark would be more concerned about his enormous nuts. Yeah, yeah. And uh and Tony is just having like the time of her life at this point. She is just she is like this is really it. I'm having a great time, but <laughs> it's the way people say they're having a great time when they're not really having a great time like I'm having a great time recording this podcast right now. <laughs> just trying to convince yourself that you're actually you know, enjoying yourself, but which I am, I actually am. I'm uh, having yeah, fun. Yeah. Sure. This is, again, this is a great episode. Love talking about it. But so they get into a conversation. Jeremy just tries to break the ice and uh, ask the girls, what's the weirdest place that they've ever done it? Just to try and, to try to get the conversation moving. And then Tony talks about being finger banged by a, a <laughs> was it a flight, flight, a flight uh, attendant in, Dubai or something like that. (laughs) Which, you know, uh, Tony, I can only imagine uh, her conquest because she's just such a strange (laughs) character. But uh, so Valerie kind of pulls the uh, innocent young girl. Well, I believe that true love waits. And Mark just fires off this sarcastic answer. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Well, and we, you know, we talked about this before the episode too. I really don't think that he was trying to be sarcastic. I think that he was trying to, Again, just through his own desperation, trying to seem like more agreeable and on her level because, hey, Mark might be able to actually hook up with a girl that's significantly younger than him. I mean, he might not ever get this chance again. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It just it seems weird where he's where she's talking about being a virgin and he's just like, yeah, me too. I I wonder if he was just, um, you know. Like, of course, I wonder if he's just thinking to himself, like, of course I would try to hook up with the Virgin. Well, and and let me take this down a little bit of a strange road here, because this is going to be a strange road. 
Go ahead. If you think about Mark for a minute and his awkwardness, his social ineptitude, and really his lack of of just interpersonal relationships in general, Mark, just imagine Mark being a teenager. And I would, like, how, you know, people lose their virginity at parties, whatever. I imagine Mark just, like, went over to one of his friend's house uh, and, you know, their friend wasn't there, but maybe the mom was and, you know, ended up with some 40, 50-year-old lady or maybe a, a maid or something that offered him a, you know, a slice of pie and then seduced him. Like, I don't think that he was he would ever actually be cool enough to to get a girl on his own merit. Do you... So let's take this down. Let's let's do, let's go down this hole a little further. Okay. Is it possible that Mark loses his virginity in this episode? Is that a, is that a thought that we potentially want to entertain? He doesn't say it, so I would imagine that that's not the case. But I, I would like, have I would have to guess that it. I would have to guess that it's not because later on you hear about all the crazy parties that went on at college. I guess that's true. But, you know, and it's brief, and I don't think it's necessarily directed at Mark, but certainly, you know, Mark is... He, his The number of notches on his belt cannot be very high. You think he needs toes, or do you think he's able to count on fingers? Um, I'd say we're leaving the shoes on. I, I agree. Yeah, and I, honestly, at that, I'd probably leave one of your gloves on. But... <laughs> Anyway, so uh, after that, they uh, they start talking about music, and uh, Jeremy asks what everybody's favorite record is. And Jeremy probably, in hindsight, regrets asking this because you don't ever really get to hear the answer because you just get this smash cut to Mark and Valerie Bowling. And I believe it was Sledgehammer was the record that uh, that Tony mentioned. Yeah, the song, Sledgehammer. Oh, the, the song, okay, yeah. Which is uh, by Peter Gabriel. And, of course, Valerie's young. She would have not heard really much about Peter Gabriel or, or been old enough to be around when he was, like, really big. And, again, they, then they go on and start talking about a, a group called Level 42, which was a U.K. jazz pop group that was big in the 80s. And, again, if we go by what we think her age should be in this episode, she probably would have been born between like 1985 and 1987. Yeah, I think that was about right. I I did some math and I figured that she was, that was right around when she was born because yeah. they say that she's in, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah, Valerie is, Valerie's young. She would have never really heard of, of level 42. I mean, I think a lot of British people would have heard of PD Gabriel just because of how big he was. Right. Um, but she wouldn't have known him in, in his heyday. So I definitely can see somebody who wouldn't have listened to him in his heyday would could be kind of put off by Sledgehammer. Sure, and the whole time Mark is having a little bit of that self-hatred in her dialogue, like trying to agree with Valerie to seem cool, but at the same time like, oh, I'm so sorry, Peter Gabriel, I'm so sorry, level 42, you know, I'd, which I, I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, that's that's great, and Mark is just... We talked about sports that Mark would be good at last week, or sports that Mark would be interested in, and from watching this, I can definitely tell he is not a bowler, because he is just doing gutter ball after gutter ball, and there's this really nice scene between him and Valerie, where Valerie is just like, hey, it's okay to hit the pins, you won't 
you won't wake them up and Mark is less like, oh, good, I wanted to let them sleep. And he's being like very humane. And um, and then uh, Valerie tells him to stand in front of the, the bowling aisle with his legs spread. And so he's got his back to the bowling aisle and he's looking... He's looking out at the people coming in, and all of a sudden you realize that things are about to take a turn. Yes, you see a woman with brownish curly hair in a, uh, what, a red top, and comes up and says, hi, Mark. And, and uh, Mark <laughs> is just cut, is caught literally with with a 16-year-old girl at a bowling alley. Yeah, it's kind of an awkward uh, situation with your coworker there, but... To make it even worse, uh, more of an awkward situation, here comes Jeff. Yeah, and uh, Sophie's lies are, are catching up to her, and she had told Mark that she had something else to do, but kind of made it out to sound like it was um, work-related. And um, So yeah, so then Jeff walks up, and Mark, you just get the Jeff that you get from... <laughs> Almost you, every time Jeff appears at some point in the yeah you can you can episode. see Mark you can see Mark coming undone here, and he's just trying to at least maintain some semblance of rationality to not scare off Valerie. I think at this point, Mark has just no chill in this scene. No. I don't and I don't even know it's necessarily to like not scare off Valerie so much as to not like scare off Sophie. That's a good point. I guess I hadn't thought of that. That that's also a very good point because, you know, again, Sophie and Mark just up to this point they haven't really clicked in really at any level whatsoever. Anytime they do start to click, I feel like that one of them will do something to the other and it'll set their relationship back. You know, it's definitely a one months. step forward, two step back scenario. That's <laughs> uh, funny that you say that because that line comes up in two episodes down the road i just watched. well there that we one. go <laughs> so uh then we cut to jeremy and tony who are sitting in the bar uh kind of in the little you know, the food court area and jeremy's just chowing down on some wings he's got like 15 they probably i mean they're little boats that you could probably fit six to seven wings on and he's it, probably got like 15 of these little boats just yeah, kind of scattered it's like, throughout it's the like table. This, yeah it's like the small order that you get at buffalo wild wings yeah yeah <laughs> you know and Tony is just looking at Jeremy with this look of just, like, revulsion and horror on her face. Yes. Uh, you know, and I guess that what it was is that they were having an all-you-can-eat special for three ninety nine, And I don't know, just personally, I think of the unfortunate times in my life that I have gone to Golden Corral and watched people, you know, dunk fried chicken in the chocolate wonderfall. Sort of a oh, similar... That's a delicacy in some areas, my friend. Oh, oh, certainly in the South. I mean, it actually was Biloxi, I think, where I saw that. But, uh, you know, not exactly. Biloxi is a fun place. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Love Biloxi. But, uh, yeah, so it, it. Tony is quick to point out that it's not all that you can eat and that there's no actual competitive element involved. <laughs> and And she just will not. Also in this, she is just going off on Valerie not liking Peter Gabriel and um, she just cannot cannot get over that Valerie doesn't like Peter Gabriel at one point she mentions that he sing he single-handedly started Womad which I I had always assumed that that was a band so when I looked up to see who the other members of Womad were I found out it was actually the World of Music Art and Dance Festival and it's just this festival annual festival that peter gabriel puts on every year 
You know, one of the interesting things about the whole just offense to not liking Peter Gabriel, you know, one of the themes through this episode is that she's get she might be getting a divorce, but she seems much more upset by the fact that somebody doesn't like Peter Gabriel. Yeah, that's 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 a, a nice little sub uh, a sub thing that goes throughout this episode is that nothing really, even though her own personal life is going down in flames, the thing that she just cannot get over is that Valerie doesn't like Peter Gabriel. But eventually, I guess uh, at least, well, I guess I don't really get over it because we cut to Mark, Valerie, Jeff, and Sophie bowling. Jeff and Sophie are on the lane adjacent to Mark and Valerie, and Valerie's just kind of. It feels strange about the whole thing because, you know, she's hanging out with older people that are, you know, well-dressed, like sort of office people, and she feels like she's on an episode of Friends. Yeah, and then she asks this line to Jeff, so do you guys get all pissed at the Christmas party and photocopy your arses? And then Mark just is like, yeah, yeah, he does. And then I wonder if he's saying this in a negative way, but Jeff is just not letting him make it negative and then uh, Mark tries to take it back but then Jeff just keeps it a firm control of it because you know Jeff is like yeah I did it before everybody else did it I was kind of a trendsetter <laughs> yeah well Mark, Mark's actually the one that, that uh, mentions the trendsetter just oh yes you're right yeah, you're right he's, just, he's, he's trying to salvage the exchange and just kind of get in a little bit of a burn there and that's, this is where we find out, because Jeff asked Valerie if she's still in school, and apparently she's going to Sixth Form College, which I had never heard of previously, but apparently it is a school for kids age 16 to 19. It's kind of like a prep school for college uh, in the UK. So that's in how we Japan, Yeah, in Japan you would call it like a cram school or something like that. Yeah. We don't really have anything equivalent here in the United States to it. And if Mark's lucky, he might be calling it cram school. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, all right. Hey. So, uh, anyway, so there's some passive aggressive, uh, just kind of notions going back and forth between Valerie and Jeff, and Sophie and Mark are kind of looking at each other, kind of with like Sophie has kind of a goofy grin on her face because I think she understands the ridiculousness of the entire situation, and she's not really having that great of a time either. And Mark's just too lit to really be aware <laughs> of what's going on, but there's a there's a great line where Jeff tries to fire back at Sophie and cause it's obviously that they can tell that she's young and Jeff just asks her, Oh, so what's your, your favorite, your favorite subject in school? And Sophie trying to keep the peace just says, Jeff, I'm sure she doesn't want to talk about school. And then he tries to change it and he says, Oh, who's your favorite member of S club, which S Club was a like a British boy band that had been around for about five years, and um, they had just broken up recently when this episode come out had come out. So probably when they filmed that they were still together. But mm -hmm. Valerie gives him this great look where she says, uh, "She says she doesn't have one, but she hears that she doesn't listen to S Club, but she hears they have a big gay following." And then she just looks at Mark and makes like, you know the. Like a blowjob motion. Blowjob motion. There you go. I was trying to think of a politically correct way to say it, but yeah, something better. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is that you know Jeff, I think, is taken aback because he's got quite the look on his face. Like, did I just get horribly burned by a young girl? It is so funny just seeing Jeff. Just he looks like he got shot in the face. He just has this look where he's just like, oh, oh. Well, I see what the story is here. 
Because there's, there's, there's really only a handful of times in the entire series where something gets thrown back that drastically into Jeff's face. No, I mean, the amount of times that Jeff loses, you can... It's not a lot. And Jeff definitely loses here. Which brings Mark to the conclusion that for the worst thing that could possibly happen, being Sophie and Jeff showing up and, you know, kind of coming in on his date, it's actually going really well. Yeah, I, I can never tell if he's just oblivious to the passive-aggressive sniping between Jeff and Valerie, if he loves it, or if he's just ignoring it. Well, just given Sophie's response to it, I have to assume that you know both of them are just kind of just watching it, and, and I th- they got to be entertained by it. I, I was entertained by it. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> this scene, this scene makes me laugh every single time. Just watching Jeff just get, because like we said last episode Jeff is like the main villain of this show at no point in this series is Jeff ever likable and just to see him getting knocked down a peg every time it happens is so funny absolutely and so Jeff's a little bit defeated but then we cut to the bathroom and Mark's standing at the urinal you know about to about to take piss and Jeff comes up not to be defeated because Jeff seems to always catch Mark at his most vulnerable moments where there's nobody either around to defend him or just where he can pretty much bully the shit out of Mark with you know, no restriction. Yeah, and I think he realizes that at the bowling lane that Valerie is a shield around Mark and that he's not going to get through that shield. So when Mark makes a break to the bathroom, that's when Jeff is like, okay, well, now I'm really going to get this this guy riled up. And Absolutely. he starts talking about his date with Sophie and how he took her to this nice Italian restaurant and they had wine. And then Mark, this whole time, Mark is just trying to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, and unsuccessfully. But one of the things that really bothers me, and I don't know, maybe the rules are different in the UK, but in America, okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're standing at a urinal, you don't come and, and you don't sidle up to the person that's already using it. You Especially because I feel like Jeff gets super close to Mark. Like, I feel like that Jeff's the kind of asshole that would center himself on the urinal and then take two steps over to the left. Oh, yeah, just to like a wide Mark. stance. Yeah, yeah, just to make Mark, like, sidestep over just a little bit, like... Yeah, yeah. I like that or like that guy when I was at Kansas City a couple of years ago at the Chiefs game. You know, there's, there's probably a 40-year-old guy standing at the trough, pants around his ankles and holding his shirt up with his chin like an 8-year-old. But uh it wasn't that bad in this in this scenario, but <laughs> Jeff Jeff definitely makes it a little bit uncomfortable and Jeff not acceptable, but nothing you do is acceptable, so fuck off. <laughs> but Mark pretty much just decides to pretend that he's finished and gives a very unconvincing kind of like and, you know, the whole time Jeff's just still being a prick and actually goes as far as to ask Mark from to borrow money to buy condoms with which he's presumably planning on banging Sophie with. And one of the one of the jokes that I think is really funny in this scene, too, is when he says knobblies are a bit of a con because he's talking about rich condoms. <laughs> well, right, and, of course, Jeff is the kind. But they're, Jeff they're, is the kind. Yeah, go ahead. Jeff is the kind of asshole that would, if there was a condom that was cheap and a condom that would provide better pleasure to his partner that was more expensive, he would go with the cheap one every time. That being said, 
the secret to those and something that I could see Jeff doing. You find get the rib for her pleasure. You turn it inside out and you get to have all the fun. <laughs> oh my god! So there you go. That seems like a Jeff thing to do. That's your life hack. That's your peep show yes, life hack. That's life hack uh, number one here on the L Dude Brothers podcast. Sorry we took so long to uh, provide that to you. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so we're going to go ahead and cut to the next scene where we see Tony on the phone and she's arguing with her husband over what we presume at this point is their pending divorce. And Mark just happens to be coming out of the bathroom in proximity to where Tony's talking and Tony says, you know, this is not the rehearsal. So it, it, this most likely is their divorce. And the only reason I think that Mark was in this scene is just so that there would be another character present to utilize the point of view, because otherwise it kind of would have fallen apart a little bit. Yeah, that's one of the hard things when you're utilizing this this point of view is that characters can't ever really be alone. Because um, if they are, you're seeing things through their eyes. So you don't always necessarily see what the actor has to, is doing. Exactly. So we're then going to move to Jeremy at the food court with Tony. And, you know, Tony at this point has kind of decided that she is going to bang Jeremy. Yeah, she just wants to get a revenge screw in against her against her husband. Yeah. So at this point, she's, you know, acting a little bit more forward and kind of, I don't know what the right word is sultry seductive i don't know receptive receptive (laughs) yeah not completely self-centered but at the same time still extremely self-centered towards jeremy so jeremy goes into his whole olive oil talk again with fourth pressing fifth pressing you know the whole thing that he's already done a couple times in this episode yeah that's really funny he just is like fourth pressing fifth pressing and then tony just says this is really interesting. We should talk about this back at my apartment. And then Jeremy's just so elated that the olive oil thing that he's been practicing this whole night finally, finally paid off. But really, it didn't because Tony has no idea what he's even talking about. Yeah, You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a shame that they threw away the olive oil thing and then he never tried to use it again in the series, given that he thought it worked here. But what's funny to me here is that Tony leans in to kiss Jeremy and as the camera pulls out, you see Jeremy's face. And at first you just see his eye. It's extremely dilated and open. And as it pulls back, you see this look of shock. And it's sort of like when you watch Beavis and Butthead and Beavis thinks he's going to score and just that, oh, you know, that's the exact look that Jeremy has in this scene. Yes, it's it's very funny. And this is one of the first times I think people kiss with the, like they actually kiss the camera. Well, I guess they don't actually kiss the camera, but they kiss kind of like to the bottom and to the left of the camera. And it's it's funny. It's just it's so awkward, these close-ups of these people's faces. And not, not as awkward as what we're going to see here later in the episode. Though. I guess it gets <laughs> worse, folks. So at this point, we're going to go ahead and cut to Mark at the bar with Sophie. Of course, Mark still high and drunk and probably shouldn't be talking to Sophie. Yeah, and uh looks like that it is Mark and Sophie's turn to buy the rounds of beer should point out that in England Valerie is smoking at the bowling alley and drinking because over there they're um, the drinking there's no minimum drinking age and at that point in time cigarettes weren't heavily regulated either I mean, hell even here I mean up until a couple years ago you could still smoke in some bowling alleys that's true that is true it's uh, seeing stuff like that 
seeing stuff like that just really kind of hits home to me how much bowling alleys have changed since I went there or just, as a kid. Just, just things in general, like when Mark's shopping, we see a bottle of Pepsi Twist on the shelf. I can't yeah. remember the last time I saw that stuff. Yeah, 2003 was only 14 years ago, but it might as well have been a thousand years ago. Absolutely. So, Mark, just basically at this point, Mark is kind of uh, poking at Sophie when really things between them are going pretty well, all things considered. Uh, meanwhile, Sophie is just kind of trying to be nice to Mark, I think, to maybe not necessarily have a second option for the night, but to kind of express, hey, yeah, maybe things aren't going so great. Yeah, she says, she says, Valerie seems nice, and Mark is just like, yeah, we met at a party. Or, you know, first, first she says, so Sophie says, Valerie seems nice, and Mark just, like, fires straight out with saying, she means nothing to me. <laughs> and this is a, this is a, a reoccurring, this is a reoccurring Mark trait. And this actually does happen several times where somebody will either insult the woman in front of Mark and Mark does nothing or Mark just inadvertently assault insults them and then has to kind of recoup recoup himself later on. It, it happens here with Valerie. Um, it happens several times throughout the series with Sophie. And then later on in the Christmas, in a Christmas episode, with the girl in the Christmas episode. Yes. And as we've come to find out from Sophie talking, the date with Jeff wasn't quite as glamorous as Jeff had made it sound in the bathroom. Cause uh, Sophie mentions the comment after Mark inquires about the wine and Italian food. Well, I guess you know what you're getting with pizza hut. Yeah. And then Mark just, he knows, he knows at this point, ha idiot. I won. And then he starts, he kind of tries to jump on Jeff here, like kind of pile it on. And he calls Jeff old, old seat sniffer. And Sophie just looks like, uh, like, uh, livid that Mark would, would call her <laughs> seat sniffer. Yeah. She and tells him like not to talk about that. That's not nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, because she's still, I think at this point, she's just kind of like, well, I still am on the date. I can't totally you know, crap on this, but um, Pizza Hut's lovely Italian. I mean, it's, you know, it's not as good as the Olive Garden. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever taken a girl on a date to Pizza Hut. No, why would you when there's an Olive Garden you can get unlimited breadsticks, duh. That is true. But so anyway, uh, you know, we come to the conclusion, just Mark and, Mark and Sophie, they're just not having a, a very good night. But we cut to Jeremy then at Tony's. Mark's still at the, at the laser bowl with the group. But yeah, Jer Jeremy is with Tony, and he just he just walks into Tony's apartment, and he's just like, "Screw you, Lord of Death! I'm still full of piss and vinegar." I mean, it's funny. It I guess it sets uh, I guess it sets it for later. But Jeremy feels like he's older than he actually is, and so even as a twenty-something, he is you know worried about death and everything. But he just starts making out with Tony and then who should appear but her husband, Tony and Jeremy's just like, Oh shit. Yeah, definitely. And one interesting thing that we talked about before the show, I think we 
sort of see Tony's husband in episode one, but it's not explicitly mentioned, but this is a different actor. So if that was Tony's husband, or not season one, but episode one, if that was Tony's husband there, uh, it's certainly not the same actor in this episode. Yeah, and this is funny because I think later Jeremy would probably just try end up trying to seduce both of them at the same time, but he's a little he's a little concerned about Tony standing there while they're making out, but Tony is just completely oblivious to the fact that his wife Tony and they're both named Tony. So this is going to be really confusing to listen to. But uh, Tony just seems completely oblivious to the fact that his wife, Tony, is making out with another guy. He's more concerned about making sure he gets the Bundo Boys album. Yeah, and just, you know, generally the whole uh, splitting of the stuff and whatnot. But Jeremy at this point is worried that they're going to use him for some kind of weird sex game. And uh, then, as he says, burn him in the bath. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, and then we get Mark in the bowling alley and it's clear that, that Jeff has gotten to Mark while in the bathroom and Mark at this point is stewing and he's probably coming down off the weed a little bit and, um, probably not feeling, feeling the best. And he's just letting, he's just letting, um, Jeff get to him and, um, but, but you know he 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 releases his you know feelings in kind of an unsavory way by saying hey watch me bowl Jeff picks up his shopping bags marches over to the foul line and just starts throwing all the fruit and the cans and the paper towels and just throwing them all down the bowling lane all the all the shopping that has been the focus of him uh, that his main focus this entire night has been the shopping yeah to just see him start just to see him start chucking it down the bowling alley is really funny. And then just to finish off the scene, he just gives the paper towels a good kick. Yeah. And Valerie's just loving it. It's it. She thinks it's hilarious. And so he's at the bowling counter trying to leave the bowling alley. And the, the man who runs the place or at least is running the desk is pretty pissed off at Mark for jamming up all of his so-called antiquated bowling equipment with shopping. Yeah, he looks he looks not too happy that they're having to clean all the fruit and everything out of the out of the pin retrieval unit. And Mark seems confused because he just assumed that the fruit would come back through the the pin retrieval lane, but the guy at the bowling alley is not having anything of it. <laughs> and Valerie is getting in his face, saying, "You know, you're holding his shoes hostage, and he doesn't care about your shoes." And Valerie is just like really egging on Mark here, and finally. Jeff just kind of steps in and just says, Hey, look, we're going to pay for the pin retrieval unit, you know? Right. Hands over the card, which is, you know, uncharacteristic of Jeff trying to do the nice thing. But he has to realize at this point that his date with Sophie has not gone well, or at least because he has a reputation for being kind of a shit that he's trying to look better to Sophie. I also think it's possible too, that he's just trying to prevent a scene from happening. And he's maybe he's worried that if, things do progress and Mark goes to jail that Sophie might try to come get him out of jail. So he's just trying to prevent, you know, anything from happening. So he's just trying to get it paid and get him out of there. And Mark in his super characteristic way is like, just, he gets kind of pathetic in the scene where he's just begging Sophie and Jeff to stay. And he's like, Oh, just stay. We'll bowl a tournament. And Valerie kind of keeps it real with Mark and just says, Hey, look, they're trying to go home and, and bone. So let's let him go home and bone. Which I'm not sure how Mark is really supposed to feel at this point, because 
they might be going home to do that. But at the same time, Mark might be bringing her home to do that. So it's a mixed bag for him. Yeah. And then immediately after this, we just get, like, once again, the smash cut to the outside of Apollo House. And this time you you get more of that kind of distorted camera view that you got when Mark was in the at the bar with Jeremy where he was looking at the mass on the wall. And you hear the, the show's theme song plot playing, but it's really, like, slow and distorted. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we can get, you know, maybe a little Chuck Mangione, uh, if, if you have any of his stuff, go ahead and turn that on. Dim the lights, because we're about to experience our first point of view sex scene in Peep Show. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is funny, where, um, <laughs> where Valerie is probably, she starts kissing Mark and doing something to him you don't really know because Mark just goes, oh, he's squeezing my, or she's squeezing my what? And then uh, we also get Jeremy and Tony is trying to get Jeremy into the mood and Jeremy's just really weirded out because Tony is also in the room with them. Husband Tony is in the room with them. <laughs> it's a little bit strange. For, but, you know, Jeremy seems like the type that would be used to, you know, non-traditional uh, coitus. So... Yeah, yes. You know, I, don't, I don't know why he'd be so uh, offended by that, but either way, he's having an issue with it. But luckily, Mark is not, because we cut back to him, and he is finally nailing Valerie with a very, very large smile on his face, like maybe you'd expect to see in an ID <laughs> photo. Yeah, it's it's super creepy, and it's really, like, tight cut on his face. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's it's a very funny scene. It's making me laugh thinking about it, but he's just... He's just going to town missionary style because, you know, how else is Mark going to do things? And Valerie doesn't look too thrilled with what's going on, but she also doesn't look, you know, bored or anything. Right. But in order to spice things up, Valerie reaches up and wraps her hands around Mark's neck, which Mark initially thinks is kind of like a massage, but then she starts kind of choking him. Yeah, right before this, we get our Weird Nuts reference of this episode, too, where he's like, oh, she's probably too young to realize that my nuts are weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, never an episode, at least in season one, I don't think, without a Weird Nuts reference. But Mark eventually stops her from choking him, and his immediate reaction is, you know, you could have just told me if you didn't like it. Yeah, Mark <laughs> is probably the 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 kind of person who's never heard of erotic asphyxiation before, and Valerie just looks a little hurt because, uh, you know, she had a boyfriend who was into it, but like I said, Mark probably has never had anyone choke him during the act of sex before. Yes. So Tony, we go back to Tony and Jeremy, and Tony is just going to town on Jeremy, having the loudest sex they can possibly have. Just basically hate screwing her husband via Jeremy. Yeah, this scene is this scene is great. She's just yelling at the top of her lungs like I am having great sex and it's very obvious that they are in fact not having great sex yeah and, you know because the whole time there's there's still uh, male Tony is in the back still trying to divide their belongings and the cappuccino maker and uh, you know Tony's not having any of it female Tony yeah. isn't yeah she female Tony says that male Tony is not getting the gagia which I assumed I always thought was an art, uh, like a piece of art or something like that, but it's actually a cappuccino machine. So in the wind down here for the episode, at this point we cut back to Mark and Valerie, 
and Valerie's all kind of snuggled up in Mark's bed wearing his, his robe or his pajamas or something like that. And Mark is asking, well, should I leave the light on, the hall light on for you? Like she's an eight-year-old girl who's going to get lost on her way to the bathroom or something like that. And she just she just looks at him and says no. And we get another we get another like really tender moment between the two where Mark is like getting ready to ask her if he can like sleep in the bed with her. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't really say it. He doesn't really say it. He doesn't really say it outright, but he starts to just kind of say, "Hey, Valerie." And before he can even finish, we get real loud like i am having great sex you know you hear tony just screaming at the top of her lungs yeah the cacophony from next door certainly then i think uh they did complain quite a lot in the series that apparently the walls in apollo house are quite thin well we never know how thick wall is so <laughs> no i guess we we discovered that last episode and uh after that we cut to the credits i really enjoy this episode even after watching it over and over and over yeah, I, th- I think it's one of the best episodes of the series. Still still holds up really well. A very, very funny. I love the two characters kind of getting this role reversal thing throughout the throughout the episode with like player Mark and um kind of incel Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's there's there's a lot of really great content where they're just they're really starting to hit where you like I would say that after this episode at least for the next several maybe it's it's not quite up to par with this episode but this episode is on par with what you see in later seasons yes this is my this is my favorite ep- this is my definitely my favorite episode of season one and it's really it's not until season two that you start to get some really funny stuff as well so, again, great episode. Very much enjoyed it. I really wish that I could go back and watch it again for the first time. Oh, me too. I I wish I could watch this one again for the first time. I still remember the first time I watched it. I just remember thinking to myself, like, while I was watching this episode, I was like, why did Lee tell me not to watch ep- season one? This episode is great. And then, yeah. But, yeah, this is a great episode. I highly recommend going on Hulu to watch it. Absolutely. So that's uh, that's pretty much covers everything. I know we went a little bit long, and I'm sure that uh, at this point, if you haven't seen it, you're just probably going to want to go watch it after uh, after hearing about how great it is. And next week we get another good one. Uh, again, not quite as good as this one, but it is Season 1, Episode 4, called Mark Mates Makes a Friend, where we meet another one of the kind of mainstays recurring. of the show. Yeah, well, yeah recurring, recurring characters the show. throughout the series, uh, Alan Johnson and... Um, I just want to go ahead and give uh, people shout-outs on, on SoundCloud. At the time of recording this episode, we have 31 listens on our on our last episode, The Interview. Not bad. We also have some new people who are following us. I just want to say hi, hi to uh, Zerbrush. Thank you. Uh, Demondar, you're the man, and I appreciate your $5 donation. Woo! Yeah, yeah, big time on that one. We'll be making yeah. that serial money soon. Oh, we're going to be rolling in headsets and microphones. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> again, thank you everybody for taking time to go on SoundCloud and give this a listen and a like. And um, as always, you can find us um, on Facebook. You can email us at ldudebrospodcast at gmail.com. One of these days, 
obviously we'd really like to get some sort of feedback on the episode um our tumblr has big things going on right now and that's uh tumblr.com l dude bros podcast and that's bros b-r-o-s and uh you can follow us on twitter at l dude bro pod that's right and if you want to see the actress who plays valerie on uh, this episode on our show send her a tweet maybe we can get her on to uh, talk to us for a couple minutes yep 251 followers let's see if we can get her like 260 and we'll call this show a big success woohoo all right well that is it for this week uh till next time this is the l dude brothers saying and and we'll see you next time (laughs) 